capital of her progression. Okay, we're back with the Juby Take. I'm Steve. I'm Adam. And with us today is the prodigy, Zachary Juby. Yo. Welcome. Okay. And uh, I'm sure that if you turned the, you know, turned on this podcast, you've already read the title and it's sports. We warned you guys ahead of time. And if you're here, then it means you care. Then you want to hear about sports. So that's what we're going to talk about. And now this is the latest. Uh, this is our third year. And this is the latest we've actually waited to talk football. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of us for that. I think it was funny last year. We had a moment that was very entertaining. We thought we had waited. Yeah, longer. we really, we, we thought we'd waited way longer than we ever have. And it turned out we were a week earlier than the year before. <laughs> so, you know, we really did it this year. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited because uh, we, we really waited till the last second. Game, game day's tomorrow. It is. Literally. And so and nobody's going to hear this uh, before the game because I'm not going to get it edited no. my day tomorrow is crazy. So, but we're going to make some predictions and we're going to talk about what we think and uh, what we've, uh, you know, what we've seen, what we've heard. Uh, what about we've what read, the, yeah. Yeah, about what the Ducks are this year. So, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting every year for us. You know, I've been accused of being a little too rah-rah. <laughs> and you know it's a uh kirsten uh my girlfriend she constantly i mean i'm one of those guys every year it's oh man we got a chance we're gonna do it this is gonna be our year you know and uh you know i think we're all prideful with our teams but i mean when it comes to oregon you know football i think we're used to them being good late as of late you know in the last decade or so yeah the majority of the time we've been up there and had a chance and this year starting at 11th in the nation is, is, uh, is the highest we've been in a while. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it definitely is. I feel like a lot of fans want to get hyped up, especially for college football. So much can change in one year with JC transfers, with the development of your younger talent that you have. Yeah. A lot of teams have guys that are red shirting and like, Oh, they're coming back this year. Spending a lot of time in the Valley it seems that ASU fans always ring the same bells of, you know, they're, how dominant they're going to be up until they play Oregon. Right. And then, yeah. or, uh, or they play or anybody just play in general. general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, for the Ducks, man, they're looking really good. But the skeptic in me is honestly thinking there's a lot of pieces that were missing last year that I don't know if just over one summer are going to change into us being. Uh, a national championship contender and especially when coming out of the pack for us to hold our own actual destiny we really have to go undefeated there's no respect for the pack no no yeah. there's not and you know right, what we saw right last so night as of late there, there shouldn't be i mean arizona gets you know gets beat by you know hawaii uh ucla looked horrible last night and the whole chip kelly aura uh, how much further down the road does he have to go before that's gone? Yeah. Because they looked inept offensively against Cincinnati. And I don't think a Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati's not an elite team. No. UCLA, it, it, it's so weird once you get into conference play. Um, 
Jeez, where that game was in Cincinnati as well. It was, yeah. So that's a tough road game. Um, UCLA. I'm not. I don't think their quarterback was the starter that they had last year. Well, he was there last year, yeah. and and he was supposedly this you know superstar in waiting. Mm-hmm. He has flashed to be really good because he's very athletic. He's a dual threat quarterback, but he he doesn't throw the ball that's that a, well. That's a tough. It's a tough place to play. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of a trap game because if you come back winning that game, I don't know how much notoriety you're going to get for that throughout the rest of the season as UCLA. No, but but it's yeah. There's just, a, it feels like there's a lot of repercussions, especially for the entire conference with them losing that game. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think. For me, what's always been surprising uh, as of late and for UCLA to struggle is just how many great players are in California. Mm. You know, for them not, I mean, and they get recruits. We're talking about a highly touted quarterback, you know, so you think like, what is the struggle there? You know, where, where is the disconnect? Um, and, you know, maybe it is Chip Kelly. Who knows? Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many things, you know, but, and you, you mentioned like the Chip Kelly aura. Yeah. Um, that fat, yeah, that fast pace, kind of what he was known for. I didn't see a lot of innovation happening last night, and there was definitely not a lot of execution happening. No. And those were things that happened. You know, if I think of what the Chip Kelly aura really shows, is yes, there was the fast pace offense, and yes, there was this crazy widespread that featured mainly running the ball and running the zone. Um, those are the things that he did, but the aura of him is innovation and execution. You know, win the day. You know, right. just, just be just be great today. Uh, I, I I didn't I agree. There was none of that coming off of UCLA, um, so it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. That uh, really seems that football culture is you know what are you what have you done for me lately on all levels? Yeah, yeah. So whether that you're a player, a coach, college pros, shoot high school. I don't know. I don't keep up with high school, <laughs> but. You know, only if they're going to Oregon. That that's that's a really interesting thing about football, um, how these huge swings happen. You know, um, how, was it how many years ago was it when you know we were really thinking you had to be undefeated to go to the college football? I mean, uh, playoff or to be a national champion? You know, even right before the playoff, yeah, came into existence. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, the BCS, the B, yeah, well, yeah, the, the B, the BCS before that, but. There's, it wasn't that long ago that you had to be undefeated, and it seems that the last couple of years, you, no teams were undefeated anymore. I agree with that. I think there's been less, uh, less truly dominant. I mean, I, I guess I can't say that. I think there's just been more teams are better performing at a higher level. Maybe the power is spread out a little bit. Um, I think the really dominant teams, Alabama, you know, Clemson, um, you know, they tend to go almost undefeated every single year and they're going to be there. But, um, yeah, the rest of the country is kind of spread out. Right. Well, until they're not right. Right. Exactly. Well, okay. So yeah, in the last four or five years, you know, you're talking Alabama Clemson, but you know, you look at, at like an Oklahoma who is, has been dominant, but yet they haven't really won anything. They've had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, but yet they've never won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State is another team that always seems to be, you know, at the start of the year, you know, it's Urban Meyer, and, 
you know, where they're they're an elite team and they have great players. Well, Urban Meyer's gone now. Right. So, you know, at getting back to, you know, kind of what matters to us is, you know, Oregon, you know, a couple of years ago, I think our first podcast about the Ducks was, you know, Willie Taggart, you know, Mark Helfrich, you know, crashed and burned. Yeah. Which was so sad because it's an Oregon kid that, you know, really wanted him to be successful. Right. He was handed the keys to a Ferrari and he turned it into a Volkswagen. Yeah. Drove it right into a tree. Yeah. And so, you know, Willie Taggart, you know, we tried to be excited and I, I have to go back and listen to that podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that I was thinking that he was going to be something and, and he's a dud. And, you know, he left us, all of that. But now where we are is Cristobal. Right. I and love Cristobal. I'm, I've loved everything that he said since he's gotten into the head coaching position. Um, I like where he's taken the, the, the program. I think, you know, some of the things that you, we missed with Helfridge, even with Willie Tiger, it was discipline within the team and, and, and accountability, you know, not just with the coaches, but with the team holding each other accountable. And I think that with Cristobal, he brings both those things, at least, you know, that's what I've noticed after you know listening to the different players and um, and, and hearing him talk. So I, I love Cristobal. I think he's been almost the X factor that's really helped us grow and get better and, you know, obviously get better recruits. Yeah, the recruiting, he loves the recruit. You have to have that. Yeah. You haven't really had somebody, I mean, Taggart was supposed to be bringing in a crazy recruit, recruit recruiting class, but also makes me think, you know, he's at Florida State, and even before he was there, Florida State would have, like, top five recruiting class every year. Right. Really not that good each year. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what type of guys, you know, we really get once he starts to actually form his team. You know, we have a new defense this year that I know that uh, big guy's really excited about <laughs> and uh, gets the gets the watch. Well, you know, Andy Avalos, you know, the de new defensive coordinator, uh, came from Boise State. And, you know, Boise State's always been a thorn in our side. Yeah. Uh, they're one of those programs that just wins without having the elite athletes. And I actually, I'm excited because tomorrow he gets, Boise State gets to put the herd on Florida State. I really yeah, hope that's, that really that's, loses that's another piece that I'm excited <laughs> about for tomorrow. Anything that you know, is bad for Willie Taggart is right. makes me smile, <laughs> but, uh, no, the, yeah, the Andy Avalos, uh, you know, by all accounts, his defense is kind of cutting edge. He does some things, you know, they're looking at having a, you know, a different alignments, you know, a lot more secondary type players coming in. And, you know, it, it we talked, you know, you mentioned recruiting, and to me, recruiting is, is huge. I mean, what I get from Cristobal is he understands that, okay, the lines, you've, you've got to have quality offense and quality defensive lines, and you have to have depth. Yeah. You know, you, Oregon over the years, we can go back, and they've had elite athletes, but only a few at right. any given time. You know, Haloti Nada is one of the best defensive linemen to ever play the game. But who else was on that line? Yeah. You know, did he really get any help? 
Armstead and Buckner, they had each other, but exactly they were pretty much playing the whole game. And I think that was back when it was like a three man rush. So, <laughs> you know, they, they really didn't have any help. And maybe that was because we didn't have any depth. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, it just, you go back and, and over the years, just, you know, the defensive linemen, we've used tight ends that have been converted. We've, yeah. you know, we've put 30 pounds on a guy to, to make him a defensive lineman. And this year, uh, the four freshmen that came in, you know, these are all 300-pound guys. These are all, by all accounts, just these guys came in ready to play football. And Cristobal wants to make Oregon an SEC team. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, if you can recruit, if we never, in my recollection, we very seldom got a four-star offensive lineman. Yeah. Normally they were twos and threes that we turned in. And we have a tradition of great offensive linemen, but not when they showed up. You know, these are guys that, that put on weight and became really good offensive linemen. You know, the Max Ungers. Yeah, we have quite a few in the NFL right now. And exactly, you know. But these guys didn't show up. And, At that level. You know, exactly. And so... You know, we seem to be getting a little bit higher recruit in the offensive line, the defensive line. You know, it, it's it's fun. It's fun to think that, you know, that Oregon can get back to what we had with Chip Kelly. Uh, you know, what we had with Mike Bellotti. You know, you, you look at the the university itself and the situation that they have. A lot is being talked about right now with the fact that the Pac-12 is behind all other conferences because of the contracts they have. They don't have the money. They don't have the money that the, that the SEC has, the ACC, the, certainly the Big Ten. Yeah. But Oregon is not, you know, they're in that situation in the Pac-12, but they also have, you know, Uncle Phil. And that's kind of a game changer. You know, and, and Pat Kilkenny, you know, they got his private jet, which, you know, right now is known as, you know, the Taggart jet that took him to Florida state so he could interview for the job to leave Oregon. <laughs> but you look at recruiting and this last year, you know, that jet is parked out in Eugene and whoever is going on a recruiting trip and needs it. There you go. You know, it's not commercial flights. It's not, it doesn't cost the university anything. They just have their own personal jet to go and recruit with. Exactly. You know, so if they're going to Texas or Florida or Georgia or, or wherever, and Kilkenny doesn't have anything to do with Nike. No, he doesn't. No, he does not. He made all of his money in insurance in Just San for, Diego. For, for the record, for the haters. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I, I doubt there is any other school in the Pac-12 that has that. Uh, in the Pac-12? No, maybe not in the Pac-12. I don't know. Maybe USC. Our situation, with what we're able to do with recruiting, and again, you know, last year we had a number five recruiting class. Yeah. And uh, we've never been in the top 10 before. Right. What Cristobal and the rest of the coaching staff is able to do is, you know, they're, they've been able to, you know, get, bring in these athletes. They, they kept that class together when Taggart left in December. Right, right. And now, you know, the, the 2020 class is shaping up to be possibly another top 10 class. Right. And you start putting these together. And, you know, okay, now all of a sudden you have the depth that you need. 
Yeah. And I think it, you know, alluding to what Zach was saying earlier, it's, it's going to be really exciting to see, uh, Cristobal's team. You know, when you come into a program, you're coaching someone else's team kind of in, in a way, you know, of course it's your team, you're the head coach, but you know, you didn't recruit those players. You didn't bring them in. You know, it takes you a couple years of not just bringing them in, but bringing in a full team and then being able to give them that experience to be the players that they're going to be. So, yeah. And not, not so much just building a team, but building a program. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's what Cristobal is. You know, all head coaches are trying to do. That's what the point is, is to build a successful program. And then you can just have interchangeable pieces inside of a successful working system. Right. He has some good working pieces right now and he's learned the right way. I mean, SEC obviously has done it the right way. They figured out the formula first. Um, They've had the formula most consistently over the last two decades. Yeah. All time. Yeah. And, and then of course, you know, Clemson in the ACC, what they've been able to accomplish. But I, I think that they've also embraced the idea of, of what the SEC does. Right. You know, and, and the, the thing that I like about Cristobal, you know, you mentioned, you know, all the coaches are, are looking to, to build a program. I, I think that there's, there's some coaches out there that are looking, what's my next opportunity? You know, and we dealt with that with Willie Taggart. You know, Willie Taggart, oh, you know, I, I, I love Oregon. He'd never been to Oregon before he took the job. And going back to Florida State, and after that, what I got from Cristobal, and we talked about this last year, is that he said, write the contract any way you want. Make it so it costs me $100 million to go somewhere else, right? Because I don't want to go anywhere else. He's not a West Coast guy. You know, he's not. He's Florida you know, Alabama, he was at Rutgers, you know, he's an East coast guy, but you come out and look at the facilities and you look at the crowd at Autzen. Yeah. And just look at Autzen in general. (laughs) Well, and the Eugene area and how you're the only game in town. Yeah. You know what the ducks are doing. Right. Is, is, is it. And the state of Oregon, you know, either you're, you know, a duck fan or you like losers <laughs> and uh, you know, Cristobal embraced that. And of course, you know, Taggart, sure. You know, I drank the Kool-Aid and you know, got burnt with that, but I've trusted Cristobal and the fact that, you know, you look at his contract and he's, I don't want to go anywhere else. Why would I want to go anywhere else? And now he's proving that he can recruit from anywhere and yeah. bring kids to Eugene. Oh yeah. yeah. He's gone into Alabama. You know, he's gone into Georgia, Texas, and of course California. We've always recruited California. But he's pulled players from all over the country and brought them to Eugene. And I just, you know, I really want this to work. And I love that we still have the Hawaii connection with Salavea, you know, and 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 uh the Polynesian players just coming yeah. over and that cuz that's a great pipeline for any program to have any, I know Utah gets a lot of them as well, but you know, wherever you get your players, you know, the thing that Cristobal talks about and not only Cristobal, but you know, uh, Marcus Arroyo and Avalos and you know, all the assistant coaches, they talk about getting the right kind of player. Yeah. You know, 
not just somebody that has stars next to their name, but somebody that loves football. Salavea, you mentioned. I mean, this guy, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I love the quotes from all these, these coaches because they're high-energy guys, all of them. But, you know, Cristobal said the other day, somebody asked him, you know, you know coaching, you know, you, you love coaching. You know, is it as good as playing? And he just snapped right back and said, no, no. Playing was the ultimate, you know, and Salavea, same thing. You know, I mean, all these guys would love to still be playing football. Yeah. They'd but they're that. not. That, that, that commitment and love of the game. And I think that comes across to the players. Yeah. You know, they're out there running around and they're out there, you know, with energy. And it, it just seems to be a really good environment. Well, I, and I think that that attests to the discipline and, and accountability, you know, when you have that kind of passion or you, you feel like if I was out there, like this is what I would be doing. This is how hard I would be playing. You know, these, you know and it, when, you, when you're out there and you have that passion and you're able to feed that to the players, I think that that's almost like, you know, you hold them accountable a little bit more because you have that connection to the game or that you, you know, that, that love, that passion. Um, and then obviously that, that comes to, you know, that, forms the discipline through that accountability. So I think that that plays right into that. Okay. So nice. some of some of the nuts and bolts for tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, when we start looking at this team, we have up and down, I believe one of the best offensive lines that Oregon's ever had. I mean, we have by all accounts, six starters and they're, they're really talking about the fact that there's probably four other guys that would start and I think Mirabelle was made this quote that they would start. Yeah, I've got four guys, so basically five. Another offensive line that would start anywhere in the Pac-12. All of them would start, but they're all. They're but they're like, reserves at Oregon, man. So the, the depth that we have, we have, you know, the offensive line is all seniors. They've been playing together for four years. They've been starters for four years. Throckmorton, except for Sewell, but I mean, well, Sewell, yeah. Sewell is a crazy talent. But, he, but he's, he's probably the most talented of all of them. Right. Uh, Throckmorton can play anywhere. And so, you know, not only do you have a situation where, okay, you know, if we lose Hanson, Throckmorton's the best backup center. If we lose a guard, he's the best backup guard. Right. And so, you know, that gives us that stability. Arya's having a bone... That's the sound you're hearing. Anyway, so. <laughs> she wanted the, to be a part of it. Yeah. Okay, so, and that's, you know, that's Cristobal. That's, that's, he was an offensive lineman that's in his, Miami. Yeah, that's his strength. And, and, and that's what he loves. And our, you know, our D-line, you know, what kind of depth we get. You know, Jordan Scott is a stud. Well, let's, we should go offense and then defense. Oh, okay. So we talked about the offensive line. Oh, okay. What else right. on the offense would you are like? Or well, do we want to talk Herbert? You know, yeah, he by all accounts is going to be, you know, probably a top five pick depending on what happens this year, right? But but he's considered the probably the best pro prospect, six six, right? You know, two thirty five, and can make all the throws, arm strength, running like to the say. left, running to the right. Like you say, I mean, just his power is, it's a. Uh, incredible what he can do would you say that what are some things you say that maybe he 
I mean, it's hard to compare him to, to Marcus. I was going to say that maybe he does better than Marcus, but I mean, Heisman winner, the only Heisman winner in Oregon history. I mean, I think Herbert probably has a bigger arm than yeah. Marcus. Like, you know, for when they were both in college, um, I mean, Herbert's also been there longer than Marcus was there. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something to take into account with like, you know, saying their arm strength, there are different ages, you know, Herbert's that's true. <clears throat> Herbert's older, you know, throwing the ball there. Um, Marcus knew the system really well and had a lot of different targets that he trusted and yeah. a lot of different weapons. And that was a huge part of his success and why he was so elusive and had these crazy long runs is because you, I mean, you just can't fixate on him. You have to be able to look at what Anthony Thomas is doing, look at what LaMichael James was doing, what Kenyon Barner was doing, you know, and then this endless list of receivers that we had throughout his time there. Right. Um, so, with Herbert, his biggest issue has been fixating on receivers. But he has probably a bigger arm overall. And he's also he's a, big, he's, he's a bigger guy. Yeah. As well. So he just has you know, more leverage to, to sling the thing all around the field. That's going to be the big test this year. Is can he not just fixate and can he distribute the ball like Marcus could? Yeah, and I think that it also has to play into the rest of the skill players. You know, that was something that over the last couple of years maybe has been a weakness and that Herbert has kind of had to go over that hurdle, whether it's wide receivers or having freshman running backs, you know, it's it, having at the other skill positions, maybe having talent there, but not having that experience and the execution that Marcus was, was dealing with at his time. Um, I think that's another thing now. You know, we can go into the wide receivers in a second and, and the running backs. But I think that, you know, this year we're coming into a better format for him to, to succeed and to shine a little bit and maybe not be as much of the focus. Hopefully we can have some skill players step up with that. With that, Dad, what would skill players would you say you're excited for most? Well, I think C.J. Verdell is, you know, as a freshman, he ran for over a thousand yards and he's added a little bit of weight. Yeah. And I, I think he's a really good running back. 210. Travis Dye. And, you know, again, they all seem to be smaller running backs. But there's just a difference in the way he runs. So, and they both, you know, now they're sophomores. Travis Dye ran for, I think, over 800 yards last year. So, they had, you know, the best tandem of freshman running backs in college football. Mm-hmm. But I also think that I, there's depth there as well. Yeah, Habibi Likio. Likio, yeah. You know, so he's, he's had a great spring and a great fall camp. I'm uh, hoping they utilize him a little bit more than just goal line. He's, he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys. He couldn't be stopped on the goal line. Yeah. You know, last year, you know, he had like 14 carries and eight touchdowns. Yeah, insane. And they're talking about the fact, you know, because one of the things with him was his lack of ability to block and pick up blitzes. It kept him off the field. And, you know, he dealt with some nagging injuries and some different things. But, okay, that's another piece that, by all accounts, he's better. And there are some other players, you know, dealing with injuries, it, it seems like 
you know, and this year is another example where injuries seem to happen in the same position group. You know, you get hit and, and, you know, if you have five injuries, it's not five different positions. It's five guys in the same position. Yeah. You know, and we're kind of dealing with that with wide receiver right now, but. Which you know, sucks because that has been a you know, Achilles heel for us, especially last year and the year before, just all the drop balls. The drop balls are the killer. It was so bad. You know, and we have a new wide receivers coach this year and, you know, his main focus. And I think that, you know, some of the subtle changes that Cristobal has made because he inherited, you know, this, the staff that Taggart hired and he didn't, once he got the job, go and start cleaning house and bringing in his own people. He made some subtle changes, you know? I, you know, I like some of the stuff that he's, that he's done. And, you know, this new wide receivers coach, uh, his main focus right away is, okay, we got to catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can run routes. We can be tall. We can be short. We can be fast. We can be all these kinds of things. It doesn't matter if we don't catch the ball. Yeah. So that was the focus in the spring, and that was the focus in the fall. You know, we brought in a, a class that was, you know, highly regarded. Yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, we got hit with injuries. You know, Schooler got, you know, broke a foot. And he was the senior. And not only do we lose him on as a wide receiver. Special teams. But special teams. You know, his, his kickoff and punt coverage. I mean, he's the best guy. He started out as a safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a great tackler. So. And then we have Makai Pittman as well. That was, you know. Again, yeah. a highly regarded guy, but that was that was hard because I think a lot of people were were very hyped on him and where he was at and, and where he was going and what he was able to do, his work ethic and and uh, that that hurts and I but but that's something that he's only out five to six weeks I believe. Right. So you know he's going to come back. Uh, the one person that that by all accounts has really stepped up is Johnny Johnson. Yep. You know he's from right down the road here, Chandler High School, and. Uh, you know, by all accounts, he, you know, when he first got there, he's one of those athletic guys that goes up and gets the ball. He makes those crazy catches. The the catch that's right in front of him, he drops. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, and then of course, Red. Jalen Red. You know, Jalen Red. He made is, some great plays last year. Was huge for us early in the so year. so fast. I think he disappeared a little bit in the end. Well, he just had drop after drop. I mean, I don't know how many... I, I guess can everyone disappeared three. other than Dylan I can Mitchell think last year. <laughs> three like right now where he was wide open and Herbert put it right on him and he just dropped the ball and they were touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was hard to watch in any level. <laughs> so, you know, if Johnny Johnson, Juwan Johnson, you know, the the kid from Penn State, the big guy, you know, I mean six five, yeah. two forty. All right, you know. Thank you. As Zach alluded to earlier, JC transfers can easily just change your program. Right. I mean, well, he's a graduate it, transfer. Oh, uh, well, yeah. A graduate transfer, yeah. But transfers in general can, can help tremendously, in a, especially in that kind of position where, you know, over the last couple of years, we've lacked the leadership maybe or the ability to catch the ball just in general as we're talking about. Well, it's, so. it's just hanging on to it. Right. But apparently he's been tearing it up you know, this, yeah, uh, the spring and, and in the fall. So, yeah, 
you know, and, and there's some J.J. Uh, Tucker is is a redshirt freshman. Okay. That uh, you know everybody likes, you know, so he's going to provide some depth. And there's Brian Addison, Josh Delgado. Brian, yeah, Josh Delgado uh, is is part of that freshman class that came in, uh, and everybody kind of you know took a step back because of because of Pittman, you know. But Josh Delgado, you know, I think is a guy that could come in and, and give us some depth. Everybody talks about, you know, it just it's it's a better group. Right. They just seem to be hanging on to the ball. Ball's not hitting the ground as much, and that's huge. Mm. And then, of course, you know, I think we have a fantastic group of tight ends. Yeah. Uh, isn't one of them injured? Isn't his, Cam McCormick, McCormick is Cam McCormick is still borderline whether he will play tomorrow night, you know, but Jacob Breeland. Yeah, it's I've loved that guy since he got there. He's a great receiver. Webb. Webb is someone that they moved to wide receiver just so he could be coached by the wide receiver coach. You know, give him some some ideas because he's that athletic. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Whoa. so they actually moved him out there, and you know, the coach said, "No, we're not moving him to wide receiver, but <laughs> I, we just want to coach him up with yeah. some wide receiver stuff." Smart. You know, Bay and uh, Bay and Breland. You know, Bay is more of a a blocking tight end. Cam McCormick is the. Uh, is the best as far as being complete. He's a really good blocker, and he's also a good receiver. And then we have Camp Moyer. Camp Moyer, and he's another guy that's a blocker. Yeah. So you we know. can get big. And, you know. Which is, again, kind of formulating into that SEC mentality. If you want to run power, you know, and, and you need to counteract that, you know, a big defensive line or something, you can throw that at him. It's nice to have that versatility in, in our in our tight end corpse. You know, it's not just the offensive side of it. You know, we have that side that kind of <laughs> it's so funny I just said that. They're both they're all offensive sides. Um but you know the the fact that you know you can kind of use one as a blocker and others as for their specializations. Versatility. All that good stuff. Well and there's also the other Herbert on the team. Right, no, for sure. Yeah, that's isn't he going to redshirt? Probably. Well, he can well, play a couple of games and still redshirt. Well, and see, this is the fun thing about you know what happened last year and where we are now. You could play four games, yeah, and still redshirt. I, I guarantee you that he's going to try to get in game. And he his will. Brother, he and his will play. Going to be looking at him so much <laughs> after this game against Auburn. We have three basic cupcakes, you know, like everybody else in the country does. And I'm sure that he'll get in the game during that point, and and he will catch a, you know, a pass from his brother. Oh yeah, at least he'll get targeted. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's a lot there to like. Now, again, if we're going to talk about offense, uh, Marcus Arroyo calling plays, I'm still not totally on board. It's his second year, right? With the in the in the program creating his offense, right? Uh, it's a third year. Third year. Because okay. he was he was there when with Taggart Taggart actually hired him right okay okay so but this is his second year of calling plays other than the Boise State game which was his first game of calling plays and Andy Avalos kind of handed it to him and said you're not going to score because that game the only scores we had were defensive scores yeah, I don't that think was our pretty bad I don't think our offense scored 
a point. We didn't have a quarterback. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that there's a little bit of innovation. Yeah. You know, some things to, to get some, you know, some wide receivers free. You know, I know that Cristobal loves to run the ball. I know that that's, that's their whole thing is we want to be able to run against everybody. And that's been Oregon going back to Chip Kelly and even before that. So we'll see how that works. All right. So, I mean, our, our offense, I think we have a lot of great things going on. I think that's why we're kind of excited about it. We can, we can score in a lot of different ways. Um, and a lot of, you know, positions, key positions, we have an NFL talent. Um, so, you know, from there, obviously going off to the defensive side, you were talking initially just about their line, you know, um, I think one player I'm really excited about watching on the defensive line is, uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, five was, star recruit. Well, he was the, the number one recruit in the nation last year. Yeah. So what he's able to do, uh, it's funny cause you, you sorry, I don't mean, no. yeah, it's just when you hear all the other p- players talk about him, they don't say, Oh man, he's doing amazing. Oh, it's so great. They're like, he's doing what he needs to do. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Like he was the number one recruit last year. Like, He's supposed to come in and dominate or come in and, you know, hold his own kind of thing. Yeah. Well, Gus Cumberlander will probably start ahead of him. Yeah. But one of the things, uh, Bryson Young, who's playing that the stud division position, which is, is kind of it's a, a hybrid between a defensive end and an outside linebacker, and that's the Andy Avalos thing. That's one of the things he brought. So I remember when he was recruited, and, you know, he was one of those players that, that uh, you know, they, the Oregon loved, you know, and they really hyped him. He was a four-star recruit, but he never found a position. And, you know, I mean, I played high school. Adam, you never really played football. And Zach played more football than all of us. And a lot of it has to do with scheme and what's expected of you for your talents. And what I'm getting right now is that, you know, Bryson Young is, you know, with his talents and what he can bring to the field, this is a really good position. So, you know, I mean, being able to, to find your spot where the skills you have and the abilities you have translate into what's being asked of a position, you know, I'm excited to see him. And, you know, there's some other players that are kind of, you know, in a similar situation, I think, you know, with the Ducks defense, we have two junior uh, cornerbacks that, you know, Diamador Lenore, Thomas Graham, uh, you know, they have experience. They've been playing. You know, I just, I think that, that our defense, and as I mentioned earlier, Jordan Scott, who's just a stud in the middle as a nose guard, you know, I, I think that, uh, we have a chance of being a good defense. And if what Andy Avalos did at Boise State translates a little bit with, you know, really changing it up and having different looks and, you know, having five defensive backs, you know, doing some things, bringing in some extra big packages. Yeah. You being know, unpredictable. Uh, you know, Auburn really uh, wants to run. We know that. So it'll be fun. I mean, it's it's exciting for the first game of the year always. 
but now our first game, you know, is is huge. You know, college game day is there, right? And Possibly our biggest game of the year. Yeah, and Auburn is not considered. They're 16th in in the country. They're not considered to be one of the elite teams in the SEC, but they're one of the better teams in the SEC. Yeah, which is crazy. That they're the 16th team in the nation and not. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, that's just the you know that's, that's the, the cloud of the SEC as well. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be really really fun to watch Jordan Scott. He's gonna get double teamed. Oh, so yeah. we'll really see how good our other offensive or defensive linemen are. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, Carl Berg and I mean, someone that I don't hear get talked about a lot, but I think I mean maybe I just I'm not reading a lot of the stuff, but Troy Die. You oh, know. He's, yeah, he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to be amazing. You know, I mean, yeah, he's the other person that came back for his senior year that could have gone into the NFL. I feel like his instinct is it, he he's an awesome, awesome linebacker. Yeah, which is something that we, I mean, I, I'm not sure we could have said that even last year. Would we have not just about him, but did we have an, a great, amazing linebacker? We haven't had a lot of those over the last couple of years. And um, I think just because we've been young at that position and had talented players, but now, you know, having the experience, having, you know, um, I think we have some, some depth with Winston, uh, Lamar Winston, and uh, who else do we have at linebacker? Uh, you know, Winston and, and, and Adrian Jackson, you know. Was okay, another so, one. yeah, I mean, uh, another freshman, uh, Funa, Masai Funa, they're talking a lot about him. You know, he's a, he's a true freshman that's, you know, 6'2", 260. That's and, a big boy. Yeah, he is. And, you know, they've talked about him as, you know, is he going to end up being a D lineman? You know, is he going to be one of the guys at the stud position? Yeah. Right now he's at the linebacker position, right? Right. Okay. You know, so, you, you know. know. In Troy Dye's freshman year, he led the team in tackles. Yeah. And he was our best defensive player. So with him in his senior year, to for us to have a championship, you know, Pac-12 championship type team, we're going to have to have somebody else in that linebacking core also step up to be that type of support. Right. You know, he's been our best player all four years that he's been around. Who's going to step up as well? You know, just like Jordan Scott is really going to be holding things down and causing attention from schemes. Other guys have to be gamers. Everybody's scheme is going to have, you know, number 25 circled. Right. Yeah, 35. 35. Okay, so the middle linebacker, the guy that everybody's talking about, Isaac Slade Matuate. Okay. And and he's the guy that's actually calling the defensive signals. And by all accounts... Quarterback of the defense position. By all accounts, he is playing fantastic. And, you know, I mean, he's a, a sophomore. Last year he was hurt. So I'm expecting big things from him. Okay. And then Samson New, who was a, you Is know, a recruited. Or junior this year? Uh, let me look. He is a he's junior. He's a junior this yeah. year. So, you know, he's the number one backup in both of those positions. And... You know, there's there's Drew Mathis, who's uh, the the JC transfer you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, MJ Cunningham was a redshirt freshman. He's doing some good things, and that's the big thing. They're trying to to establish some depth there. 
I'm but. not sure that he was mentioned, but Mace Funa on that stud position. Did you mention him? Yeah, okay. I just did. Oh. Right on. Yeah. Glad. So he's 6'2", 260. 260. He's a linebacker. your comment. Whoa, my bad. I missed the name. So, yeah, he, he's one of those players that it's like, okay, you know, what is his position? And he's very fast. Yeah. And very athletic. So, okay, is he an inside linebacker? Is he an outside linebacker? And, you know, they've kind of plugged him into that stud position. Yeah. All of this is speculation until you're playing against somebody else. Right. You know, obviously, every year it's the same thing. It's, okay, we've been beating each other up. How good does our defensive line look? look because they're going against what we believe is one of the best offensive lines in the nation. Right. And that's who you're going against every day because Cristobal's always believed, you know, the idea that iron sharpens iron and that's his phrase. And it's, you play your ones against your ones, you know, you, which is, you know, the concept of not doing that is to n- not force as many injuries or, or right. development or what is, well, there's also, Football is a game of schemes. So if the team that you're going to be playing in a given week doesn't run a scheme anywhere close to what your offense runs, now practicing a completely different scheme to defeat a team that you're not going to be playing doesn't make a ton of sense. Right, okay. So that's a lot of thought process um, of you know one of the reasons why you may not be doing that. Okay, so your two twos are kind of simulating what the other team is going to do where your ones are playing what your game is going to be. Well, you're saying, yeah, you'll have a scout team. Yeah. Your scout. Yeah. Don't think of it as ones and twos because your ones and twos are both taking reps to get ready for the week. Gotcha. Okay. So you have a scout team. Okay. And that's mainly, that's made, that's made up of your younger players and your guys who are red shirting or guys who are in the program who haven't really made that depth chart leap, you know? So you can think of it, you're like your fours and fives. Okay. What do they do throughout the week? Right. Okay. You know, they, they don't, they don't take reps to get ready for the team that they're not going to get on the field against. That makes sense. So, you know, it's like who Rudy was Rudy, you know, I'm that scout team player. I'm going to get you guys ready. I'm not going to get out there on the field, but I'm going to make sure that you're ready to go. Right. Okay. You know, so you have those guys going out there, you know, week, week to week. Trying um, to prove themselves almost, you know, right. Yeah. Cause they're playing the other team's scheme. Right. Uh, a few years ago, the, uh, there was a, a, kid that redshirted at Oregon that that's all they talked about was how fantastic this guy was. He never saw the field. Uh, Marcus Mariota and Darren Thomas was a quarterback, you know, and this was an elite football team and all, you know, you just, you, you listen to Chip Kelly and you, you know, you listen to them talk about, okay, yeah, we had a really good practice and all the stuff that, you know, we watch and we listen to and all of that. But yet, continually kept bringing up and and there's this kid that's you know a quarterback on our team on our scout team that's just amazing and he's making plays and we can't stop him you know so he's on the scout team and our number one defense can't stop this guy right so yeah it just it's and that goes to depth that goes to what we're talking about having a program exactly the better your scout team is the harder it is for your offense or your defense to execute. So, and if it's, if it's a bunch of, you know, slugs that, that can't do anything, you know, 
you're not testing your offense and your defense throughout the week. So do you think that in Cristobal's eyes, is he, so he's playing ones versus ones, obviously to, you know, iron versus iron. Um, and, and you're, you're playing your scheme at that point because you're not going to learn someone else's scheme before you're going to go and play. You're going to play your game. Um, and then kind of the concept of beat the other players with your game. Um, but you know, are they still implementing a scout team? You think? Oh yeah. Getting, getting oh, in, now, so now we're in game prep. Okay. So yes, at each week there'll be a scout team. Again, I'd, for all the listeners, I'm the guy that never played football. So there's, <laughs> there's less ones on ones throughout the year because now, you know, all through fall camp, you know, you, you've gotten better. You know, it's, it's iron versus iron. It's ones versus ones. Yeah. But now, now you go into protective mode. And so now you don't want to get people hurt, you know, on a Tuesday in practice. Right. Once you're in the season. So, so you'll have a scout team. But then again, you know, like we just said, the, the depth, the better depth you have, the more challenging it is that, you know, what your scout team can do against, you know, your ones and twos. So, you know, it's, it's game planning now. It's, you know, the, the depth you get, you know, you can't play football without injuries. You know, you can't play football without getting nicked up. Even if you're still playing, you know, you can still, you know, have a, a pain here and a pain there. So, you know, being able to have two deeps, three deeps at positions makes a huge difference. Yeah. And that's what we're hoping, you know, that we take a step forward this year with that. And then also, yeah, you know, what forward, kind of recruiting have, class, yeah. you know, and it, can we keep getting these recruiting classes? And then it's just a matter of kids. And this is one of the things in basketball it really shows. And in football, to a certain extent, you see a lot of player movement that, okay, I'm going here. Uh, oh, I'm not going to start. I'm going to go somewhere else. And... What is your attrition with that? You know, how many players do you lose? Or do you have kids that will stay in the program and will get better and will play two years in, you know, three years in? You, you get these five-star athletes. They don't want to sit around and wait. Right. They want to play. So it's a balance. I think you have to have that kind of mindset in your team and just like that mentality that people are, everyone's playing for a position no matter whether you're a freshman, you know, no matter you're a senior, no matter what happens, you know, everyone's playing for the same minutes kind of thing. Yeah. You want to contribute, yeah. you know, you want to see the field, you want to have players that, you know, believe in, in where they are and what they're doing and then believe in the coaching staff. You know, do you take someone who's not, you know, not playing right away, but do you make them feel like they're a part of a team? You know, do you make them feel like, you know, and I can stay here, you know, they, they haven't shut the door on me. So I just need to get better with this and this, and it's showing them a path. It's showing them, here's what we need you to do. Yeah. And you know, you, you put your best players out on the field. So, okay. Tomorrow. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Ducks are going to win. I like it. Well, yeah. I, I mean, like it a lot. Starting Bo Nix at quarterback, I think, is going to be interesting for Auburn. Obviously, they have high praise for him. But, you know, a freshman quarterback, we've seen even the 
you know, a Heisman hopeful <laughs> can do at that position, uh, you know, in, in Herbert. Um, now, uh, when he was a freshman, it was hard for him to even win. Um, so I think that we're going to win for sure. Um, if I were to put a score on it, I would say 28 to 13. I think our defense is going to show up and not give them as much. I think they're going to help stop the run, give them some short yards. Or, I mean, get, drop them short so they have to kick some field goals. I don't think we're going to. I like it. That's my prediction. I, I, I want to. <laughs> I'm known for drinking the Kool Aid. You know, I'm known for, <laughs> you know, believing in all things ducks, which is fun, but. Yeah. <laughs> I I really I really feel like this could be the game against an SEC opponent that we establish some dominance. You know, not that we'll blow them out. You know, I would love a blowout. But you know, I think that we can establish and they're talking about their def- defensive line has three possible first round draft picks next year. Yeah. On their D-line. Yeah. So they have some strengths, but there's a reason why they're not considered one of the elite teams in the SEC. They have some weaknesses. Their cornerbacks are track athletes. These are, by all accounts, two of the fastest players in the NCAA. But playing cornerback is not about speed totally. It's about change of direction. Change of direction and timing. At times, speed can be a detriment because if you make, and one of the things I heard all week is you get them to turn their hips. Well, if you're really fast and you turn your hips, which means you're turning and running because you believe that, you know, the, the route is deep, you go further <laughs> if you're faster. So you're running away from the coverage you should actually have. So, you know, I, I want Johnny Johnson to have a great game. You know, I want Addison to have a big game. I want Johnson, uh, Juwan Johnson to have a big game. Breland, yeah, I just want us to play well. So, you know, I like your score. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll score a little more than that. Uh, I think they get at least I, – I think Auburn scores three touchdowns. Yeah. I, one touchdown might be a little – Yeah. Hard I to mean, say. I could see a 35-24. Okay. You know, I, I don't, we're not going to light up the scoreboard. Yeah. I don't believe, uh, because of, of the talent they have. Yeah. We're not hitting 50. <laughs> I don't think so, but I could see a, a, you know, a 35, 24. I'd be happy with that. Okay. Zach, do you have a prediction score at all for us? Uh, I'm, I'm in that, in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, third, you know, 35, 24 sounds about right. Cool. Okay, so, you know, we were going to talk about the 49ers because pro football starts in another week, but we don't have time. Wow. So Go Niners, is, Garoppolo, I believe. I George believe. Kittle for president. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They showed him on the sidelines. There, we talked about him. Last night. And he, he's so funny. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, you have to believe that part of it, especially in pro football, is personalities and having fun. You know, yeah. it's a job at that point yeah. and it's all about business. But, you know, if you can have some fun and have, you know, kind of a relaxed atmosphere. Look at Gronk. Exactly. So, 
uh, yeah, we're hoping that uh, both of our teams have a good year, and yeah, we'll probably talk about the 49ers later. Absolutely. We'll have another podcast soon, guys. But, uh, yeah, Ducks, Auburn, college game day. Go Ducks. Tune in. Go Ducks. Okay, we lost it. Okay. All right. All right, guys. If you want, there's going to be more perspectives later. of today point them out to me so i can come and join their rate we'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change we'll want to understand this progression we have at hand humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand i say let's progress in good contest make conference then love our best our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines our love that makes no sense we who spend love at no expense we are a force of passion creating a new faction taking action working hard just for the satisfactions with the abilities to shine so bright that others want to fight because our light is in their eyes ladies and gentlemen we are the skies don't remain mystified by their lies can't trust us but we will teach